This presentation is from Managing Design 2017, held in Melbourne. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. So I'd like to introduce Kat, uh, and she works with the City of Casey. She's going to tell us all about the trials and tribulations of getting design work done in local government. Thanks. First off, is anybody here in local government, work in local government? Awesome. Hi. <laughs> um, second question, who, pay, who really, really, really loves paying their rates? <laughs> yeah, cool. Didn't think so. So, uh, my name is, I'm from the city of Casey. So, the city of Casey, for those of you who um, either don't come from Melbourne or haven't been outside of St Kilda. We're about <laughs> 52 minutes away in a car. and um, Or if you like me and you catch the train, two hours by train um, when Metro is running on time. So um, we are down there. So you might know us. Uh, Fountain Gate is pretty much where our council offices are located. Um, we stretch from uh, Narrowarren North, so the foothills of the Dandenongs, all the way down to Western Port Bay. Um, which is pretty big, pretty big for um, a local government. Um, to give you an idea of the kind of demographics that we're working with, so we're really, we're growing quite fast. Um, we have a lot of growth from construction um, in the Cranbourne, Clyde areas. Um, so our population is, as of the current last census, is 304,100 and 71 people. Um, the highest growth groups are the 0 to 9 and the 30 to 49s, which I don't think is any kind of surprise. Um, and we grow at about 3.8%. To give you an idea, it's about, somebody said it was about 130 or 120 or something, people moving in a week into our, into our local government area. Um, and so again, so because of that, those bottom numbers won't be any sort of surprise. So 75% of people either own outright or have a mortgage, pay between 1200 and 2200 in um, their mortgage every month and have a weekly wage of, well, you can see it up there. So traditionally, though, um, the council area has been a lower socioeconomic area. Um, so we've got a lot of challenges at the moment with... Um, you know, you've got people who have always traditionally lived in these areas, places like Doveton and, and even Cranbourne itself, we call it Old Cranbourne. Um, and then the, the people who are moving in and building these huge six-bedroom double-storey houses. So the kinds of people who are living in our area are, are very different. Um, so the next thing I just want to talk about is keeping all of that in mind. Uh, a couple of years ago, our executive made a decision to form, to create a digital strategy and to bring in uh, the digital team, to create a digital team. It all happened pretty quickly, relatively quickly for local government. Um, the digital strategy was created back in July 2015. Um, the digital department was created in November 2015. The digital team of who I used to be a part I've been seconded over to customer service at the moment, but the digital team started in April um, 
And then in July last year, we did a thing called the organisational redesign. Now, I'll speak a little bit more about that in a second. Um, but back in November, we, the digital team, delivered our first three services. So those services were based on the top 14 transactional services that come into local government. We're talking about really exciting stuff like pet registrations, uh, kindergarten enrolments, um, what else did we do? Oh, asset protection permits. Yeah, <laughs> so exciting. And what was the first one we did? Disabled parking permits. Um, so we delivered, we delivered our first three by November with the idea being that you know, we can take some of the pressure off the queues in customer service. Um, so I mentioned the org redesign. So this is our new council building called Bunjil Place. And it's currently being built. We'll be in there in September-ish. So when we got the go-ahead to move into Bunjil Place, around that same time, the exec decided that they didn't want to work in the same way we always had done. They wanted to do something different. They wanted to change the way local government services were delivered. And so that's why our department was created and that's why loads of other programs were going on. Um, and what was really interesting is listening to some of the other talks this morning, I heard a lot of stuff like, you know, um, lean, lean projects and agile. I mean, we were the digital team was recruited to work in an agile way. Um, and our continuous improvement department has a whole range of these lean projects going on at the moment. So there's lots of that kind of buzzword bingo, if you like, going on around in our organisation. Um, and I'm also really lucky that I don't have to worry about any of the budget rubbish. Um, my manager and our directors get to worry about that stuff. Um, but the concerns and getting stuff done in those budget cycles is, is a real issue. Same with you know, the strategic stuff. So um, it's something that we really have to you know, keep in mind where we're at in the budget cycles, especially with a giant building like this being built. Um, it's a very visual spend of money. Um, so we've had this organisational redesign in July last year, which was a massive shake-up, and that was to align how we wanted to work from the day we move into this. Um, and out of that, there was about 43 projects that were created before we moved into here. So we had to be operationally ready by the 1st of July. Uh, on top of that, we've just found another 20. So, you know, it's all good. So then, that just kind of gives you a bit of a framework of the pressure that we're working under at the moment. Uh, these projects that I'm about to discuss were done, were talked about and decided way before the 43 and then the other 20 were even considered. So um, these are kind of the things that I've discovered in our journey of creating services. So have a backup plan. Disabled parking permit was our first project that we delivered as a team. Uh, we thought it was going to be nice and easy. And it, I guess it was. Um, the digital take up of this hasn't been great, but we did a lot of really wonderful things with it. So the first thing that we found was that the application, the application form, the actual paper form, uh, is supplied or, yeah, supplied to us by VicRoads and local government just administer it. That form hadn't been reviewed in 15 years. So, um, and if it had been, it hadn't been communicated. 
So we, one of the first questions we asked is, well, why are we collecting all this data? So one of the questions was, um, where was it? One of the questions was, please describe your patient's disability. So we weren't doing anything with that. We didn't use it to make a decision. We were just reading it and going, oh, that's great, we'll put it in there. So the, the danger of that data being read by somebody who maybe shouldn't have it was just huge. So we got rid of it um, because we just didn't need it anymore. Um, then the second problem that we ran up against was validation. So on this paper form, people felt really, really secure by the stamp on the back that was like, you know, Dr. Jones filled in this thing. Um, realistically, in the world of Photoshop, we all know that we could just probably pop one of those on without too much of an issue. But when we started to take this to the exec and, and the digital form that we designed, and we were saying, yeah, we just need to tick a box and it's done. And they were like, oh, no way. We can't validate that. It makes sure that they're actually a doctor. And we're like, but we don't validate it at the moment. Like somebody just goes, yeah, yeah stamp, great. And they didn't, they didn't get it. They, I mean, they got the point that we were trying to make, but they felt that taking the piece of paper into the council and having somebody look at it was validation enough. So we kind of went, look, get you here, but we are going to keep, just keep pushing on. And um, if it becomes an issue, we'll worry about it then. Of course, first application came through and we're like, yes, we were awesome. This is amazing. We're so good. And I ring up the doctor's surgery to go, hey, can we come out? Can we get our comms team out to come and videotape you and have a bit of an interview? And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. We haven't seen this person recently, especially not to do a disabled parking permit. And we went, oh, right. Uh, so then we had to ring up the person who'd applied and gone, hey, you know, did you do this? And she was like, yeah. There was nothing in that digital form that stopped me from thinking that I couldn't fill it in. And we went, oh, okay. And so that thing that the exec was worried about came true on the first application. But we did, we had a backup plan. We just popped in the validation, we popped in the doctor's, uh, the doctor's number, whatever it's called, and we're good to go. You can't do anything without putting that number in. We still don't validate it against anything, we don't cross-check it against anything, but it's there. Um, so number one, when you're working in local government and probably anywhere, have a backup plan. Like if you're gonna go out and just go, we're just gonna launch this and throw it out into the wild, whoops, throw it out into the wild, make sure that there's some sort of plan, even if you don't wanna talk about it, to let people know that it's all gonna be okay. Uh, next. So research with friends. Alongside doing um, the disabled parking permit, we're also doing uh, asset protection. So obviously disabled parking <coughs> permits have been around for ever, at least 15 years, much longer. Um, this asset protection permit, the city of Casey hadn't had one before. Uh, does anybody know what I'm talking about when I say asset protection permits? Yeah, no, they're really boring. Um, so they are, they're not really boring. They protect council assets. So when there is construction going on, you have to take out an asset protection permit to protect things like curbs, channeling, um, nature strips, street trees, um, all of that kind of stuff. 
So the city of Casey didn't have anything where we accepted a bond and an application fee to protect those assets until this was put in, in place. Um, and so therefore was forking out a lot of money to repair these assets. So in parallel with disabled parking permit, we were doing, we were designing this service. And um, they were really funny. Like the admin team of asset protection permit, really young, really funky. And uh, they had lots of really, really great ideas and were really open to everything that we took. They also had some really bad ideas. Um, and they were really kind of held on to those bad ideas with both fists. So those bad ideas were things like, let's put checkboxes on the right-hand side to force people to read all the text. Like, sure, okay, we can, we can totally do that. Let's put the checklist at the front of the form so that people understand what they've got to do before they get into the form. Like, yeah, sure, we, we can do that as well. Let's not accept checks. Let's only accept credit cards. Sure. So what we did is we grabbed some of the admin team and said, come along and research with us. Like, let's, let's take all this stuff out and see what happens. And um, so we did. And what happened was we were able to change that mindset of <laughs> checkboxes on the right because people will forces people to read everything wrong. People still don't read it. Uh, check the checklist on the front, move it to the back. People found it much easier to go, yep, done that, yep, done that, yep, done that. And then we come to the checks thing. So the checks thing was really fun. They wanted to only do credit cards and we're talking about a $1,200 payment to apply for an asset protection permit. Volume builders who build with us, they build 200, 250 plus houses a year in the city of Casey. So in one day they might do 20 asset protection permits. And they were going to max out a credit card in a day. It makes our form useless and it makes that whole experience and um, conforming to that, you know, uh, the application just completely redundant. Uh, so we managed to get the checks back in. So now these volume builders, they pay $20,000 by check into a bond account and they just put through as many applications as they want through a um, custom URL. It has all their details already saved in it. Um, and when we took this back to our, to our um, customers, they were just so happy, like so happy. They went, oh my goodness, guys, this is just, you're going to save us so much time. Like, we just don't even have to fill in all our details again. That's awesome. Um, and so this one, a digital take-off on this one, sits at about 88%. Um, it's gone down. It was at about 96 but for whatever reason, there are people who are putting a lot of paper forms in, and we think that's because the builders are pushing it back onto the homeowners to, to take out these asset protection permits. Um, so, yeah, that's dropped down a little bit. Next one is close the loop. This is my dog, Maggie. She's a rescue greyhound, um, and this presentation has nothing to do with her. Uh, so, one of our next projects was pet registration, and working with the local laws team, we thought that was going to be the hardest uh, nut to crack, because they've got so much legislation, they've got a lot of rules that they've got to follow, but that was exactly the opposite. So, they were like, if you can make our life easier, just do whatever you want. Um, so, we developed a form, a digital form, where you 
didn't have to uh, upload a microchipping or desexing certificate, which was awesome. So at the end, the customer just goes, I declare all of the above is true and correct. And that was enough. Our general counsel went, yeah, that's enough. That's fine. If they want to lie about it, well, we don't care. Um, you know, but if their dog gets out and it's not desexed and it's not microchipped, well, they just get fined a lot more. You know, a lot more than the money they're not paying. So they went, yeah, great, do whatever. Um, because we knew that if people had to scan these things or <laughs> photograph them, it was just going to be a real barrier. So we just got rid of it. Um, and what was awesome was that the night that we uh, soft launched this form, we had one come through like pretty much two hours after we launched it, and that was huge. Um, just so, so good to see it picked up so quickly. But a couple of months later, when I started in my new role as service designer in the customer experience team, I was out doing some observations out of the customer service center, the thing there, and I heard this customer service officer go, I actually need to see your microchipping certificate, your microchipping thing and your desexing certificate, so I can't process this now. But if you go home and do it online, you don't have to show any of that. And I kind of went <gasps> and just kind of ran to find as many people as I possibly could to tell. So what, what the digital team had done is we'd done our job. We had designed the form and we'd made it really user-friendly and really easy to use. Uh, we'd worked with local laws and they were awesome. We'd worked with customer service and they were awesome. But local laws and customer service hadn't spoken to each other to change their process to fix that bit. We have now, but it's only been in the last week or so. So closing the loop and making sure everybody is doing the same thing is just so super, super, super important because of the inconsistent experiences, obviously. Okay, well, so I've been getting a lot of flack lately um, at work because apparently I say this a lot, what's the real problem? Um, and my managers are like, but Kat, what's the real problem? So um, as I mentioned earlier, we're under a lot of pressure to be operationally ready with 40-odd projects and 20 more projects, to be operationally ready to get into bundle place. So we've got all these lean projects as well that are going simultaneously. And everybody's really excited about using these new ways of working to, to do stuff. And that's awesome, and I can't fault them. But often it's like, oh, we just create a digital form. And you're like, well, sure. But what's the real problem you're trying to solve? An example of this is um, we've got a pretty low satisfaction rate at the moment as far as um, resolution of customer calls and customer um, requests is concerned. And that's could be, I haven't done any research on it, but every time a customer rings up, even if it's for the same issue, customer service are trained to put in a separate request every time. So the department who's answering that request is, is closing off one, not calling the customer back to tell them it's been done, and there's all these other requests just sitting in there. So there's no, nobody really knows what the real problem is until the problem becomes that the customer's really unsatisfied because you didn't come and check out that tree. And so nobody's really stopping in and really taking that analytical view of, of what is the real problem. And so I really challenge everyone just to stop and think and 
check that you're actually solving the right problem and, and not just the problem that somebody thinks is the issue. Uh, it's really challenging. Uh, people don't like to hear it, but I don't care because I don't want to make any more really bad systems and processes for customers. So to wrap up, oh, Catherine, come on. Yeah, it is, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, you were, if you were watching, it's actually my birthday. So it's in 10 days if you want to go and buy me a cake. <laughs> um, so just to finish up before some questions. Um, we've had to be really strong in the stand that we make our changes based on user feedback and not on what our directors and team leaders and managers or even the cleaner thinks is the right thing to do. Um, everybody loves to tell you what they think is wrong. But we've had to be really, really strong in the, in the based on user feedback. And when we have presented that, to be fair, when we've presented that research, people have been really good at taking it on board. So that's awesome. Um, but we've also had to keep working on changing the focus from that risk averse, it has to be done properly, to getting it done and iterating. Um, that's been a real challenge. People just pushing back on, on just kind of letting it loose and then we'll iterate on it, especially in government. Um, like I said, we had to be prepared to be wrong about things and I'm always prepared to be wrong about things. Um, I have become very humble in the past 12 months working at the city of Casey. Um, but being wrong about things and being prepared to iterate is a really challenging mindset in a legislated environment because people feel like they have to get it right or the sky's going to fall in. Legislation has also been our best friend though, especially when it comes to um, not needing a signature on forms and that kind of thing. So that's pretty much it for me. Um, does anybody have any questions if we've got time? <coughs> we hope you enjoyed this presentation from Managing Design 2017. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.